Okay, now I'm seeing a different camera. Oh. There better be clothes on. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's up, folks? We're back, and I'm, uh, we're now playing basketball games. We are inside the bubble. It is hitting the high notes jazz talk. It is I, Who Trans Superman, on the Twitterverse. Um, uh, you can follow me at Who Trans Superman and at Jazz High Notes. And uh, I'm here with Mr. Go This is 49. He has clothes on. I don't. What's up, Mr. Jared Barker? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who oh, trans? What the heck? Indeed, <laughs> indeed. I'm uh, Jared. Uh, usually we vamp, we, we, we go on this, but you know what? We have too big of a guest to do that today. This guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to give you one because this is a podcast. And if I didn't do that, that'd be weird. Um, uh, he's the host of the Tony Parks podcast. He's on Twitter, Tony Parks 801. It is Tony Parks. What's up, man? Hey, how are you guys doing, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, we're good, man. The talk here talking to you be, to be able to talk some jazz basketball is just it's it's nice to have some normalcy in these uh, unsure times. Well, I, oh man, you you couldn't be more right about that, man. I mean, it's it's one thing to you know get a, a glimpse of normalcy, but what I love is not only do we have games, you know, there's there's games for playoff positioning. It's you know, it, it feels not exactly like it would feel like let's say in March and all of that. But I love that each night you're looking at playoff positioning and jockeying for positions and things like that and different teams doing different things. It, it, it'll it never feel normal, but man, at least more of it than I thought I would feel in August, to be totally honest with you. Same here. I thought this was just going to be super weird and we were just going to be like, well, I mean, it is it is what it is, but it's basketball. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the NBA, I mean, gosh, I'm not just saying this because I you know worked in the NBA, but uh, – I don't think Adam Silver and the entire league could have done a better job with this. I mean, it appears that they would take it would take something, you know, pretty erroneous and out of their control to have this thing not finish out the way that they would hope. And to have your season suspended in the like not in the middle, but like even towards the end like that was so much on the line, with so much money at stake. And to get this many people all pulling the same direction to realistically make this happen, it's it, I tweeted it out, and I still believe it. It might be one of the greatest examples of organizational leadership that I have ever seen before. That, right, like that a, makes uh, a lot of sense. I never thought about that. We saw we saw the stats. Like there hasn't been a positive coronavirus COVID case yeah, in right? for like what two weeks now? Well, a week and a half now. I mean, that's unreal. And and if they just simply stay by the formula here. Uh, the chances of an outbreak are really, really low, like crazy low, and the chances of a positive test are going to be very low. I mean, so I, I saw. I'm I saw about this. Oh, sorry. I, I just had, I saw tweets that saying that the NBA might start in the bubble next year, uh, next season because. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they might have to. They might have to, but you know, at least they know. Okay, we have a format. We have a formula. We have all of this. If they're serious about the December one thing, though, I think that's going to be much tougher. Right, right. Uh, to give the players at least a like somewhat of a off season combined right. with needing them to take the time to quarantine and all that and start it all up. Um, then they may be looking more like January or something like that. So I, you know, we'll, we'll get there when we get there, but at least for now, like you said, not only do we have basketball, but you know, this thing has gone really well, much better than I even thought it was going to go. So tip of the hat to Adam Silver and, and the entire NBA. And I, I love the game of baseball, but man, they yeah, they got question marks everywhere, man. Teams uh, with breakouts. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, if you contrast this with baseball, it's like, wow, makes baseball go, well, maybe we should look at an Adam Silver type. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> and baseball to be like, well, people just needed to behave better. Yeah, okay. and I, I think we're, we're understanding nobody's going to police themselves quite the way you know. <laughs> right, right. And there's, well, there's even mean, the, we already saw that with Lou Williams. Like, right. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, Jared, I, I told you on Twitter, man, like I'm, uh, you, you saw what they were eating in Orlando. He just wants he wants a good dinner. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Magic City. It's all about the food. Yeah, I heard yeah, that right. from Shannon Sharp. Hey, man. That's, <clears throat> that's some bull honky. Hey, when I, when I go to Orlando, I'm going to get some wings. I'll tell you if they're good. Not. I'll tell you from the horse's mouth if they're good. All right. <laughs> uh, well, Tony said it. In his, uh, you heard the magic word playoffs. And um, this is where playoffs, I dumped, playoffs. Yeah, I dropped the Pee Wee, uh, uh, you know, clubhouse. I'm a magic word. I'm a, a sound effect here because um, uh, 
the playoffs. I mean, that's on the Jazz fans' minds right now. The Jazz fans, um, uh, you know, luckily the Jazz um, uh, um, oh, that is are the already slated to be in wild. the playoffs. Right now. Um, but uh, today we're we're, we're doing this some um, uh, August August sixth, and um, uh, the injury report came out for the Jazz today that um, uh, the next game against the Spurs, they're gonna the Jazz are going to sit Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, um. And so, I mean, you, you know, that means we're we're driving the minivan against the Spurs here. Uh, <laughs> a lot of speculation. I, I like that. That that was a good line. Like right. George Nang would be proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> and and George has the invite to ever to come on. Um, but Jared, um, uh, we we saw we saw the reports this morning. We were like, whoa, boy, man, that's that's gonna be rough, you know, because there's you know it's, it's well documented. Lots of other places have talked about the jazz bench issues. We probably don't need to get into it that much, but. Um, a lot of you know Twitter detectives are out there are, are already speculating that this is a way for the Jazz to um, uh, try to get the seating they want, to try to get the opponent they want. Jerry, we've been doing this uh, for over a year now, right? Yeah, and over a year. Like um, uh, I've talked about it almost every, uh, a lot. Like, does seating matter for the the seat, like, especially now? Does the does the six seed fit? Does it matter if the Jazz get the six seed or not? I really don't think so. I think it, the only people it matters to right now are the fans because that, like, that's a point of pride. Oh, we finally got X seed, or we were the fourth seed this year. Yes, and for and for players, obviously, also a point of pride to win games. So I, I really don't think. I think the Jazz are more so just trying trying to be like, okay, well, I mean, play, they're playing a lot of games in quick succession, anyways. Back to back, that's maybe a little much. We don't want them to get hurt. I think it's probably a smart play. Um, I don't know that we're trying to game the system. I mean, we, we, we've all, we've all wondering, you know, what the reasoning is. And I'm sure Tony has his thoughts as well, but I'm starting to think that, I mean, we really saw the jazz stuck to their guns last year with, you know, their line was, we don't, you know, we don't mess with that. We we just play the game and, you know, we're just going to play all our guys because we feel like all our guys are good to go. So we'll play them. So, you know, who's, who knows? Who knows? Well, I think, you know, health is going to be vital in this postseason because home yeah. court advantage doesn't mean anything. But there is exactly advantage, right? So that part's not going to be there. I do find it interesting, the concept of trying to line up a specific opponent that you think you might match up better with and all of that. I don't necessarily see the Jazz being that kind of team that does that, but I have seen that happen in the past. I oh, yeah. absolutely watched that happen in the past. Um, was it 2000, uh, 2006, the year the Mavericks went to the NBA finals, uh, they were actually the four seed, but they were the second best team in the West. Oh, really? Oh, back so they then the for matchup. Yeah. The three division winners, uh, got the one, two, and three seeds. Oh, that's right. I forgot. So Dallas was like a 60 or 62 win team, something crazy like that. And you had the Clippers and Memphis battling out for the five. And the Clippers were like, well, to heck with this. They lost out to the six. And they actually, as the six seed, had home court advantage against the 48-win three-seeded Nuggets. They beat them. They almost beat <clears throat> and upset the Phoenix Suns in the uh, second round of that series. It took him to seven games. But the point being, like, I have seen it before for a variety of different reasons. Um, I'll say this, though. It's kind of tough because if the Jazz are going to have this drop-off in the second unit, no bogey to hurt them in that depth. If they're going to be the worst team since the restart at taking care of the basketball, if they're going to be 18th in defensive rebounding, if they're going to – like, they've got some things they've just got to clean up here. And we know they're capable of playing better than this. Um, then really the matchup, I mean, my goodness, I, I think the jazz have so much more to figure out and get fixed themselves before they try to, you know, Jerry rig this situation to match up and have it be, you know, the team they would prefer to play. And that, that's a great point. I think a hundred percent agree with, with what you're saying there and that the, the jazz are really more so trying to figure themselves out They've got more it. than anything else. They've got Tony, it. um, so before we uh, get back to your point here, Tony, I, I want to say that uh, Tony is uh, changing up. Like we're doing a video podcast today on Skype because t- Tony's like, you know what? I look so good. I want video <laughs> on me. So I turned, I put on clothes. 
I turn my video on. Jared has his video on, but um, uh, we're seeing the inside of his ear, basically. So uh, uh, <laughs> I thought the camera just turned off. So yeah, I was nope. gonna say, like, when did I was say Jared, like, but just you know, we're person, seeing. Man. Like, like, when the camera turned off? That's my bad. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but here we go. So um, uh, Tony, so I'm surprised that you went you went as far back as that that Mavericks team because. I think we saw gaming the, the the teams gaming the system last year. We saw the Blazers try to sit every one of their starters in the last game of the season, yeah. lose and try to match up with the Jazz, and yeah, ended up winning the what, game. six or seven guys last year. Yeah. That was yeah. wild, man. Like, and then they the Kings in a crazy game. Yeah, yeah everything was insanity. I think or something like that. So, um, that the, oh, that was the wildest part about that too, because I'm working at the ballpark, right? And I have everything with the – and they're wondering about the playoff schedule to know which games I might miss and things like that. And I'm going, all right, here's a list of scenarios, blah, 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 and this is a ways for it. I'm like, the absolute lowest thing, last least possible chance, but it's <laughs> technically possible, so I'll keep it in there. And I create this whole scenario about how the Jazz could play the Rockets. I'm like, that would be the worst, but let me tell you, I mean, we're talking one in a million. Here's all these crazy things that would have to happen. And every single one of them happened. Like, like, <laughs> only for the Jazz, Only for the Jazz. The game ended. Then, like, the Thunder game. And, like, all this is like, it's like, well, here we go. It's lining up. Uh, and um, <laughs> I, I remember, like, I, I remember seeing tweets at the beginning of the year. Like, the Jazz would have a bad loss. And everybody's going, oh, here we go again. We're the, we're the sixth seed. <laughs> and now, and again, this is why I don't think, especially in the West, that seeding didn't really matter. Like, it, even with home court advantage on the line, that seating didn't matter because like you're just gonna have to face the team that's best suited yeah. for you. Yeah, and, it, it's interesting. It depends on what. Well, what are you trying to get accomplished? If, the, if you want to be a contender and win it all, seating really does matter. I used to argue with a lot of different people about this. Like, or or home court advantage matters at least. This is at least correlation. The very few amount of teams. It is so few that has ever won an NBA championship with three postseason series where they didn't have home court advantage. It would be the Rockets. Um, uh, the I Rockets, the Blazers. I think the Blazers and Sonics did it in back to back years, even. Oh, oh that's way back then, huh? Yeah, 77, 78. Um, okay. The 69 Celtics. I know the 69. I know. The only four that I can think of just top my head, 69 Celtics, 77, 78 with the Blazers and the, the Sonics. And uh, the the 95 Rockets. There might be a team in there, maybe that Bullets team did or something. I, I have to look it up. It, I, but I know it's like so few. Yeah, so, and, if we're, and if we're honest, that 95 Rockets team was severely underseated because they – Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was dude. That's the only time I've ever. I I could not believe what I was watching a first round series with two teams where I'm like, this is the. Uh, I'm trying to remember if I've ever. I don't think I've ever seen a first round series where I thought either of these two teams could actually win it all. People forget how good that '95 Jazz team was, dude. Yeah, I, I six mean, wins. I, they had the second best record. They were. Good man, and they were right there, oh, right yeah. there to beating that Rockets team. Yeah. So, so going back to the seating, I guess at yeah. the beginning of the year, personally, my my thought about the Jazz team was like, you know, it's their first year together. They're going to have some kinks. I think, you know, their ceiling was probably third seed. But even then, like at, at the beginning of the year, I thought, okay, that's probably the Spurs, maybe maybe the Blazers, the Thunder, like or not Thunder, the Rockets. Like mm -hmm. I thought there were going to be some tough teams to play. Like if you get to the playoffs, there's tough teams to play. I mean, last week a lot of jazz fans thought the thunder were going to be the match, best matchup for the jazz. <laughs> and well, then we played the thunder and you know, things kind of went off the rails. And so now, and so now this week it's like, well, if the jazz make the playoffs, if they want to win one series, it's probably the nuggets, which is probably true. Like out of the three, the rockets, the thunder the nuggets, the nuggets will probably give the jazz the best chance of getting out of the first round. Yeah. Yeah. Just to get, you know, probably cream in the second round, which is, you know, the, the hard truth of it all. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm not a championship robust guy. Like, like if I think the Jazz, regardless of what happens in the playoffs, I think the Jazz have had a pretty good year. They've learned, and you know, they they have a lot of data to go on to um, uh, the next the next year, the next off season. Uh, Jared, I, I saw you tweet something interesting that you think a second round um, uh, 
playoff appearance is what will help the Jazz in the in, in the off season. Eh, I see. I'm, I am skeptical about that because I th- I feel like if people want to come here, they they want to come here because of the team's culture and everything and the the stuff that we've built up in terms of goodwill. But all that kind of got shot to hell this year, so I I really don't know what to think. Um, if the Jazz show that they're still you know, a team that can get to the second round without a huge of a piece like Bojan, that, that to me tells teams that there's a guy that's like, hey, you know, maybe I can go, you know, uh, be a really core part of a championship team and be a top eight guy in that roster. You know, I think Jazz, are, Jazz and the Lakers are probably one of the few guys that are looking to add more pieces that, that, that are going to get a lot of playing time. Yeah, it's 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 interesting on what the Jazz would do and how the fans would feel about it, right? right? Like I think I think so. I've said the same thing from the beginning of this year. Just getting to the postseason and maybe getting to the second round, and let's say you got beaten five, where you got annihilated in most of those games, that wouldn't be good enough. Oh yeah, seriously. Like that. you got to remember, you 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 took Rubio out, put Conley in. That move alone, everybody was like, okay, here they go. Here they go. They're serious about trying to become a contender instead of a pretender. Now, that Rubio, Crowder, Favors group and all of that, they were great. I, I love those dudes. Yeah. Covered them closely. Loved every one of those guys. But you got to remember, they overachieved in that 2018 year, overachieved to pretender. So even though they were a pretender, it actually was a compliment because they weren't expected to do anything like that in 2018. Right. Okay, 2019, they were a pretender, but everybody knew. Uh, they got beaten in the first round uh, against a team that was just not your usual four seed. Okay, fine. But the limitations were there. People accepted them. But now it was time to try and get a better amount of talent and a better amount of offensive firepower. Right. So then you got that. But not only did you get that, now it doesn't feel like you have been able to hit contender level. You won 19 out of 21. It looked like what people were hoping to see. Right. My thing was for this year – being fine was not good enough. Oh, yeah. This year was about really excelling and moving into at least light contender. Now, what does that look like, right? To yep. me, that looks like a second-round series, at least, but a second-round series where you are in it. You are 2-2. You know, this thing could go anywhere. Uh, right. That's kind of what Darren and Booz were in 08. I thought light contender I, I thought they were more of a light contender in 08 than they were 07, even uh, just with the upset that benefited them. We know about that. But point being, there's a difference between being in the second round and you're there to just get your T-shirt, which is what we've seen in, in some of the previous years, and being in the second round with a real shot to get to the conference finals and maybe you just happen to play a better team. Maybe that even means losing in five, but three of the four losses we're talking could go either way, right? Yeah, like, single digits. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, th- there's such a big difference on how you contend and compete. When they played that Houston team two years ago, it was amazing they won a game. I I, I, I interviewed yeah. P.J. Tucker right after the game, and I told everybody that it's over. This Cinderella thing. Like, Houston was pissed because they felt like – it was their flaws that helped Utah win, right? Like there, there was such a difference between that. So I don't know, man. Like I, 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 and I, and I love this group, and I love what they do. But even when Bojan was there, this team had stretches where they just didn't play to the level that I think they were capable of. Hitting the High Notes is an Unwrapped Sports Partner podcast. Check out the new live streaming show, Unwrap This, on Twitter. And follow Unwrapped Sports at Unwrapped Sports on Twitter and IG. I've seen recently a lot of people are lamenting that we don't have Ricky Rubio anymore. And I'm like, well, when you look at what we don't have anymore, you have to look at it more of a, more of, in more of a, that we lost two major key points people in that group yeah favors and rubio so those guys were both really huge for the locker room and really huge for the stability of the team it seems like sure we're seeing this year and but so, the, the ceiling's lower the ceiling yeah. was lower with the, and, and i love those two dudes yeah I absolutely agree yeah so i'm like, uh they just ahead, weren't you, you could sorry you could just see like even crowder crowder was great for that yeah. but you could see 
teams like that, that series against Houston and everybody was criticizing the way Quinn set up a defensive game plan. It was offense that was going to keep them from ever winning that series. They, there was yeah. a ceiling there where far too often they had three guys on the floor that could not hit an outside shot. Yeah. Teams knew it. That limitation was there. Well, this team now was kind of constructed and put together. And I, I know no Boyan there, but even when Boyan was there, weird things have happened with this group. The first month and a half, they're seventh defensively. The next month and a half, they're 11th defensively. That's fine. That's kind of where we thought they might be yeah. defensively. Yeah. But then they had a 30-day stretch where they're 29th defensively. That's a shocker, right? Like it was. Th- this is the only team in the history of the NBA to have alternating four or five game winning streaks four or five times, like where they went like four, yeah. four up, five down, five up, four down, where they have these weird. So it, it's very difficult for me when assessing kind of what this team has been compared to what I expected them to be and trying to do it fairly. Um <laughs> Because yeah. I I think the, the previous group, it feels like they ascended to pretender. Yep. And if this team ended up just being a pretender, I think that's tough for a lot of fans. That's a tough pill for them to swallow. Yeah. So, um, Jared, like when, when the offseason, like when, when the signings of Boyan happened, the trading of Conley happened, we did it. So I, and I, I call it the best offseason for the Jazz ever. So I look back at it and, and part of my thinking has changed because I have heard rumors that um, – Quinn's ideology does not match up with then Lindsay ideology. So, and now that I look at him, I'm like, this is not really a Quinn Snyder team. Like they lost guys that Quinn Snyder loves like Ricky Rubio favors Crowder. Those are guys that work in a Quinn Snyder system because of how well they play defensively. Um, and like the personnel. Uh, so our personnel department, it kind of is in a little way in a tiff with the, with yeah. the coaching staff, yeah, yeah. Coaching right. Staff. So like, so yeah, like, I, I've I've heard none of that. By the way, that's no more than just rumor. I, that's what I'm saying. It's a rumor. That's no, honestly, that's no more than just rumor. I, but, I, from everything I've ever been around with Quinn and also Dennis and all of that, um, their vision of and and Justin Zanuck for that matter, I definitely shouldn't leave him out. Obviously, he's he's been a huge part of it. Uh, a lot of the vision has been congruent in terms of how they wanted to get what they want. I mean, let's look, man. They. They put together a roster. I think the front office couldn't have been better at putting together this roster. I mean, you, you've got a four that can stretch the floor, who is six eight, played better defense than I thought he was going to, was more versatile yeah. than I even realized. You, you this this front office said, okay, we're we're having an issue with the second unit. Bam, Jordan Clarkson. You know, um, and it, a guy like Dante Exum isn't working out. We hate to do it, but we're moving on. Jeff Green not working out. We're moving on. Like they they were going all in on let's do something now. Uh, the Mike Conley move, I think conceptually was was a move that was a really, really good one. And the positive is he's starting to come around with that. But what's so crazy about it is the front office, I think, has done their part. Right. I think the coaching staff, it's not like Quinn somehow forgot how to do this. Quinn's yeah. excellent. Quinn's top three in the league, in my opinion, not just because I've been around him. And then, and to me, a lot of this does come down to, when it comes to performance, is the leadership of the team being a true extension of that coaching staff in every facet and seeing to it that the performance all the way around can reflect that. Now, the lack of depth lately certainly hurts them. I got that with the injury to Boyan. But there's still more that this team can be when they're on the floor. I mean, there's no reason they should be 22nd out of 22 teams with taking care of the ball in an offense that really does a great job to give you opportunities with spacing and easy passing lanes. Like that's a performance issue, right? Yeah. So they should not be 18th in defensive rebounding since the the start of the the restart. Now I know it's four games, but I hope you understand my point is at the end of the day, players got to play, man. And Donovan's 23 learning how to be a key leader for a team and, and be everything they need in every way. And he's checking a lot of the boxes, but he's still got a lot to learn. Mike Conley's finally getting acclimated, but he's still trying to become an even more consistent player in that way the rest of the way, right? Like, there's so much that's going into this, and I I think that there's a variable that a lot of people forget when they think of a structure of a team and of an an organization. The Jazz structurally have so much there that made you believe they could get to like contender. At the end of the day, the players got to play, and they got to perform at that level – that they're put in position to do so. They do it at times, but they don't do it at others. 
Well, one thing that we also overlooked, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before, but now it's glaringly obvious now that we're missing Bojan. But we did sacrifice depth for a better top end. So Mm -hmm. if we could add one more player to really even out that depth, I think you really see a next level next year for this Jazz team. Um, I mean, and they're just, there's, they can be so fun to watch when they're on. Cause, and it reminds you of the way the offense worked with that, with the, the old, you know, Ricky Rubio favors Utah Jazz. So it, it is weird to see, we have the most Jekyll and Hyde team in the NBA. It just doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but the consistency I mean, is what's lacking. I, I disagree with the whole. I think the Jazz need one. I think the Jazz need a, a couple players actually to to really kind of uh, get there. Um, I, and then, uh, what do you what do you what I'm thinking is I'm a, if you give me if I had three Royce O'Neils on this team I think this team would be really dangerous. If you could oh, give me yeah. three three and D guys like Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles um, uh, to rotate to guard the perimeter to kind of hide like if if we can shore up that perimeter defense. And get back to that, like, like the things that the, the the I saw stats like the Jazz are generating the best looks in the bubble. Yeah, so it's not hitting them. Yeah, that, that's fine. I mean, yeah. It happens. You, you you get cold, but you're you're getting the best look. At, like, if you can just get two or three and D guys to be there to take those shots, boy, man. And and, well, and then to also, also Clarkson falling off offensively. Like, I don't know what to do with that. Well, I mean, I mean that, that's Carson's game, though, right? Like, if you're a bucket, you're gonna have games where you just, you know, you try to, sh- huh? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of offensive guys go through that. <laughs> I mean, that, that's his one skill, right? Is not his one skill, but like that's his main skill is scoring. Yeah. Sometimes, just you know, you go through slumps. There's there's slumps, you know. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it went for five, six games. Like, you, you know, you might get one good game out of the eight here, and I wouldn't be surprised because, I mean, there's a reason why Carson has bounced around. Uh, to a lot of teams, I mean, he's he, he's he's got some inconsistent issues in his career. Yeah, but um, uh, very uh, true. but yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is that when he's out there, he doesn't give you anything else besides scoring. So well, that's, that's all we got him for, honestly. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so um, uh, so hopefully next year, um, uh, if the Jazz like again, so the Jazz asked us next year. What we talk about the first round pick, the mid level, uh, the uh, biannual exception. I don't. Yeah, you know, let, let's see what the Jazz can do. But um, uh, let's 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 focus on this year real quick, though. Um, uh, what uh, Tony, what what do you hope to see? Because I mean, we we saw the Jazz offense finally come, the starters at least come alive. Yeah. I guess please finally. Uh, we have four more games. Uh, the Jazz have four more games. Twice against the Spurs, a Mavs game, and a Nuggets game. Um, uh, what do you hope to see going into the playoffs that will give you confidence that the Jazz could get to where you the, to like contender status that yeah. you'd be comfortable. Yeah, because I, I think that it's still possible for them to be able to do that. I think it's going to be tough. The one thing that I, I'm very concerned about in that way is that second unit. That That's too big of a drop-off. It, it just really is. Now, I watched Tony Bradley up very close for so much of his G League career. I watched almost every single one of his G League games very much up close. I watched him behind the scenes. George Niang, same kind of thing. Now, these guys are great stories in being able to, to achieve and excel and, and Martin Schiller and the Salt Lake City Stars deserve a lot of credit. Once you get here and you're not just in the league, but the standard is now to help get this team to some of those areas, even if you're coming off the bench, the standard of play is higher than what they've been able to give uh, up to this point in this. And the, the, that's the second unit altogether. And I think that that's been a really big challenge for them. That's where the boy on injury becomes big because now Royce O'Neal's in the starting lineup rather than coming off the bench. We could go all day, but what I hope to see is that starting lineup has been exceptional in the, the return of this with the exception of that, um, uh, Oklahoma city game. I think they're like a plus 31, which is great through those four games. Uh, they're playing hard, like they're playing tough. I like what I watch from Rudy. A lot of times Donovan's had some exceptional play out there. And to me, the most encouraging thing that's happened in all of this is that Mike Conley appears to be, you know, maybe not fully acclimated, but as close to that as uh, could realistically be expected. You know, um, here's a guy jumping in. I talked to him several different times about, you know, uh, making this change in this transition. And he's talked a lot about learning different, new, really good habits. And um, he appears to be having that. He looks more comfortable. He looks more decisive. He looks like 
you know, more natural even at times just to, to, to run what he's doing and then defensively on top of that. So there's, there's some really, really good things. My concern is that this team has, in every game of this restart, had a very weird, bizarre, like, not just drought, but poor stretch of play. Yeah. Somewhat cyclical on the offense being bad and hurting the defense, right? Like all of that. Like they they give up 45 points in the first 16 minutes to Memphis. They get down 16 against New Orleans. Uh, they buried themselves against Oklahoma City. Uh, they were in it right there with the Lakers for most of the game, even with a poor shooting night, and then gave up a stretch of play where it was 19 to two. Um, but they 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 gave up way too many easy baskets and things like that. If they continue to do that, it doesn't matter what matchup you're going to have in the postseason, you're going to lose. Yeah. You're just, you're just straight up going to lose. So they've got to find this way where they cannot have those kinds of lapses. Some of it's that second unit. Some of it's not, some of it's, you know, dealing with a, a, a situation of avoiding on being out. Some of it's not, uh, some of it's missing shots. Sometimes it's not. So it, it, there's this really interesting, like, um, collective sort of issue like it always feels like that there's so many different things so what people are doing and i'm hearing this a lot is they're finding one issue like boyan being out or whatever it is pointing right at that and then examining only that and i i think it's more than that i think it's I it's agree. a huge collective problem that they have got to be able to get rectified if they want to get serious to reach in the level i've talked about which i don't even think the level i've talked about was you know overly uh too high when it, or over, overly demanding on expectation. Yeah, I would. Uh, I mean, it, it is interesting because like I'm a, there, there has been. I mean, obviously everybody, you know, there's been a lot of Yang hate on the on the timeline. Um, uh, there's been a lot of um, uh, Moutier hate, um, and we so we saw Quinn um, uh, go to Rage on Tucker. Yeah, um, and it's one of those things that like, look, when people say it can't be any worse than what we have now. Like the, 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 tr- the fact of the matter, it could be worse. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, my God. Like, like, so-and-so has not looked good. Right. But have you, you know, the so jazz are right now playing with a lot of 11th, 12th and 13th men right now. And so, um, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe Juwan Morgan is better, but there's also, you know, I will say that there's just as much chance that he's going to be worse than, um, uh, George has been. And, then there's chemistry. Like Yang has been playing with these guys Continuity, for chemistry. yes. So well, yep, all true. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's it's, it's one of the things that's hard. Like I, I as a jazz fan, I, I'm not quite sure where to go with it. But you just gotta, you know, right now we're all we're all living on a hope and a prayer um, uh, that um, uh, it gets figured out and that may, maybe the starters play a little bit longer when it's actual playoffs time and the games sure. are. Oh yeah. sure, but and and then that can obviously have its adverse effects yeah. as well right i mean like but but here's what you know is quinn uh I, i'm always going to be a huge believer in quinn uh not just because i worked around him not just because i i mean just watching him take a roster with bryce cotton trey burke chris johnson elijah <laughs> Millsap, jeff withy if i remember right trevor yeah, booker right now, i, I mean elijah oh Miller. my gosh and they won like 16 of the last 23 games I couldn't believe it. Like watching them beat Tony Parker in the Spurs, beat Russell Westbrook in the Thunder uh, during that stretch. Like watching them outplay and demoralize certain teams, like with this unbelievable defensive identity and attitude. I'm going, wow, man, this is, there's really something coming along here. And then to watch him uh, win 51 games the way they did and win a postseason series the way they did with a game seven win at the Clippers. Um, you know, the, the, these Rubio teams that we talked about with some of the limitation and after losing Gordon Hayward, they win like 29 out of 35 and, and beat the Thunder in a first round series. And the biggest thing I'm excited about every time I watch the Jazz or every time I follow the Jazz is how much is Quinn going to get out of whatever situation he's got? Because in my opinion, with very rare exception, it appears that he gets the most out of what he has. I, I I think so too. Like I'm a I'm a Quinn. We we are all on Team Quinn here. We all think he's he does very well. Brilliant. Um, uh, yeah. Brilliant. Um, I mean, look, look, here's another one. Here's another one. Last year that playoff series against Houston, they had no business winning that series. Absolutely no business. They the the other team had far more firepower. Uh, he had an offense that had three guys on the floor at a time that couldn't you know make a shot. I mean that's that's just it's tough. 
Jay Crowder has to shoot. He's open. He's a wing player. He's got no choice. He's got to have confidence in him. Situation that they're in now, sometimes they have guys that are cold. Jordan Clarkson can't be giving up in rhythm three-point shots. Now, if you yeah. had a 35-second shot clock like college basketball used to have, fine. But in this era of NBA basketball, if you're a backcourt player and you've got a good-look three, it's got to go up. So unless you're like Rudy Gobert or Tony Bradley standing straight away wide open, you're not shooting. They are, but everybody else is. So here's Quinn last year devising a game plan that everybody was bashing at first. You go watch towards the later part of that series – that defense was starting to like dictate some of the terms, like like some things were really starting oh, yeah. to swing Utah's way. I still don't yeah. think they were going to win the series, but I'm going, man, you you've actually really started to move this thing a lot better than I realized. Well, so we know that, it's hard to get frustrated, which is amazing. What's that? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, we noticed Harden getting frustrated, which yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. It was unheard of from us. Like it's like we actually frustrated him. What? <laughs> I mean, the Jazz, the Jazz almost went back to Houston at two-two in that series. Like, I mean, they they were one missed yeah, two-pointer from um, right. going back to two-two. You know, and um, game five, crazy. they pushed them right there to the brink. Not to mention game four when the team's down 3-0. Oh, I've seen many teams lay down and die. You know, but no, they fought, they won, and then there they are in game five, pushing towards the end, contending. I mean, Quinn Quinn's got this ability. He's really got that, and I'm not. You know, I'll, I'll be honest about every single person that I have a chance to be around, and and I like what he does. I just I think it it's it's going to be tough because yet yeah, he's designing plays and situations to get more open looks than anybody else. He had 31 wide open looks against the Lakers. You can do any of this. You can devise game plans and scouting reports. And at the end of the day, the ball's got to go in the basket. And the Jazz, I think, um, I, I'm I'm hoping that they don't have some of the meager three point shooting they've had at times. We'll see how this is going to turn out, but I, I do know Quinn's going to give them their best chance. All right, Tony, um, uh, to, to bring this full circle, right? So, say the Jazz, may, maybe somewhere someone is gaming the system, trying to get Denver. Because, like, last year, the Jazz just went out there and tried to win as many, like, they could have lost a game or two to try a drop, but they went <laughs> and tried to win as many games as possible and ended up getting Houston. What if the Jazz, you know, all their plans, they, they get the sixth seed, great, but mm-hmm. Houston jumps Denver and becomes the third seed. How would you feel if the Jazz, I know, and, and I, 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 people are turning off the podcast right now because they don't want to hear it. But, um, <laughs> how do you feel about a, a third year, of the you know, Houston and Utah series? Well, I, I think Houston would win, and and I think that's tough, and I hate that. But uh, I think Houston would win in that series. And, yeah, you'd hate to see it. And the Jazz have played Houston far more than anybody else in, in the postseason. Um, so, no, I wouldn't feel great about their chances there. Denver, I'll pick Utah in seven. But that, that feels very coin flip to me, especially if, you know, depending on how this whole thing plays out. I mean, that I yeah. think the matchup of that series would be a really fun seven-game dogfight. Uh, and especially with no home court advantage really being involved, I think I'll take Utah barely to win that series. But the tough part is whoever Utah walked into in the second round, unless they got the benefit of an upset somewhere, I don't like them at all against Clippers. I don't like them at all against the Lakers. And, yep. I, you know, I mean, it's just – and, you know, the other weird one is is Oklahoma City just right. is a real pain in the neck oh, for this man. group, man. And it's worked yeah. out better with Chris Paul than I thought. And it's what, you know, uh, it so, feels like it feels like they're better now than when the season stopped. Like it feels like they are, I mean, they're looking like a 55 win team in a regular year. Well, I mean, really good. Go, go back and look, go back and look at Thunder before the, before the break, they were actually super hot. Like they mm-hmm. had like the hottest true. In January. That's like, they, true. But, but they, they got even really- hotter. I feel like they're, they're They didn't drop off. Everybody else seems like they've had a drop off. Even the Lakers have had a drop off. The yeah, Thunder so. don't look like they've oh. missed a beat. The Lakers have also lost what, Avery Bradley and um, uh, yeah. just a bunch of guys, you know. Like, and Rondo. Like uh, they're, they're adding they're adding pieces that were not there a month ago. So yeah, I, I'll, that's I'll true. There, you know, like you, you know make- what's crazy too is that the team that every time I just look at them and I watch the way they play together, the Raptors just once again are jumping out to me like crazy. They they play so hard. They play so together. They play so connected, and I'm staring at them going, oh, my gosh, could they actually win this thing again? I thought no chance this year at the start of this thing. But now 
with the restart, with some of this, Milwaukee's not looking, you know, the 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 way that uh, yeah that they had, like. I'm very much looking at Toronto. I, I'm feeling a Toronto Clippers finals. I really, really am. More oh, the more, right. more I would that would get some eyes on there, right? Because I get Toronto. I get the sense LeBron. Ah, there's this part of me that that says this LeBron AD thing that they'll they'll, you know, it might take seven games in a Western Conference final against Clippers that they would be there, but. Um, I like that matchup. I think it'd be fun. Kawhi against his former team and things like that. Um, it'd be great, but it, it's kind of weird. Like Toronto isn't always the flashiest and stuff like that, but they play hard. They play together. They do all that. Kawhi is not the most, I guess, uh, um, energetic and athlete. He's not your, your usual superstar out there, right? Like he's right. pretty calm, pretty cool. So, you would then have something like Kawhi against his former team. And it's just that they're so businesslike. They're different, unique the way they do things, but it wouldn't be surprised me. It wouldn't surprise me if that's the way this thing turned out. To be fair, this is how it started. Um, uh, Tony Parks made a jazz prediction about Rudy <laughs> Gobert. And I was like, well, we need to have Tony come on and give, and there, I, I didn't even prompt him. He just, he just gives out predictions. He's like Dalton, you know, just giving out predictions. <laughs> every now and again, you land one, you know, every now and again, every once in a, in a great while you, you, uh, you hit all sevens, but no, that was great. Uh, go bear to hit the free throws to finish it out. Uh, it's a win after the restart with the, uh, not an assist, I guess, but the pass from, from Donovan Mitchell. Um, so that stuff was fun, man. Yeah. And predictions, predictions can be fun. Uh, I love being a historian. I always like to kind of give the forecast, but make it very clear that there's so many variables that really go into it. Uh, being in sports radio, that was always my favorite. You'd get people like, well, how could you even be on radio if you predicted the wrong college football team? To win? <laughs> oh, okay, guys, right. really? <laughs> like, That's a, what we're going to base this on? Yeah, if you could, you're like lightning can strike twice even <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> uh, if i could accurately predict sports outcomes i wouldn't be podcasting i'll tell you that oh yeah oh, no. <laughs> seriously i'd be, oh, on be like a, a billionaire would, that's yeah. owns your own sports book or something sleep got millions of dollars <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode also thanks to our utah sponsors the off-broadway theater in downtown salt lake and the great room escape in layton utah if you have a second, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. It helps us podcast out, and we will enter all written five-star reviews into a drawing for free tickets to either the Off-Broadway Theater or the Great Room Escape. Just write a five-star review, and you'll be entered to win. So, Tony, so you, you, you talk about sports broadcasting. You are now um, a part of the podcast world, you yeah. know? The Tony Parks podcast. Tell us about that. Well, it's it's been great. Um, you know, the doing the podcast has been a lot of fun. Um, I, I try to obviously try to give some reaction to jazz games and stuff like that. My interviews, I like to go really deep into some background into the people that we're talking to. Uh, what I try to provide in my podcast is the the, the obvious stuff, whatever the news of the the uh, recent time is and things like that, and give some opinions it takes. But I also try to give some underneath the surface stuff, stuff that's behind the curtain, stuff that you really won't get anywhere else. You know, unique behind the scenes stories um, or uh, uh, something unique in terms of why my opinion would be the way it is based on some information that I've had, um, you know, from the past or interactions. So, like, I have one coming out with uh, Mike Conley and I, I talk about some of the conversations I've had with him while he was in Memphis some of the kind of conversations I had with him, you know, now he's a member of the jazz and how great it is to see him come around the way that he has. But I actually tie that in to doing the game operations with the Salt Lake bees and then with the jazz. So I was doing the on field MC with the bees, enjoyed it, had a great time and then transferred over to doing it with the jazz. And when that happened, uh, was still enjoying it, doing a great job, having fun. But there was so much that I had to learn with new, really good habits. Not because it was MBA, just different communication patterns, different personnel, different everything. You know, so I think Mike Conley kind of experienced something similar in that way. So um, historical stuff. I mean, I, I enjoy it. A little bit of everything, man. Uh, all the different teams with the college sports and then obviously the jazz. 
um, just trying to give some flavor that's uh, a little bit different and something you won't get anywhere else. So for people who are going to listen, no matter who you're a fan of, I have an episode on your team. So I encourage you to go look it up. And uh, I think uh, you'll like the kind of depth that I go into with some of the stuff. Right. And yeah. So- I, I loved listening to your, your jazz Lakers um, today. I mean, I just, I took, I, I was like, Hey, this is the last thing you post about the jazz. We're going to talk to Tony tonight. <clears throat> I want to primer, see, see how he does. And I'm like, man, like, like some of the points you were making here today, you made the same points on your pod. And I'm like, his, he's really consistent. He's on message and he makes a lot of sense. I'm like, I feel like I didn't hear as much analysis, Tony parks back in the day. Um, sometimes on the radio, you had to, you had to sometimes play this role or that role. I felt like I got to really hear Tony breaking down the game for me. I was like, I really enjoy this. Like, well, thank you. Yeah, this is my favorite version of Tony. <laughs> <laughs> like, I appreciate you saying that. No, and I, and I was able to analyze a bit, but um, when you're live radio during the daytime, I mean, you're you're moving, you're doing a lot of different stuff. You oh know? yeah, for and sure, so, for sure. And and that's not a slight to radio; they're just different formats. Um, oh. Radio, man, you got to be moving, you know, all the time. Uh, whereas the podcast, I can get some more legs, I can get some more depth, I can go deeper into the topic I'm talking about. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the different format, I enjoy it, uh, just like I enjoyed radio, but yeah, with the podcast, uh, people have said, I, I feel like I, I have more of who you really are on this. Um, whereas with, with radio, you're, you're sticking to a tighter schedule. And I feel like I was able to get my personality out there, but wasn't able to analyze quite like you were saying, I, I would agree with that. Gotcha. Yeah, Tone. I'm uh, uh, for, I mean, if you listen to this podcast episode, you probably know who Tony. But Tony Parks was probably the busiest guy in Utah sports media because he was doing something Dude. with almost. I feel like every team he was doing something with every he's night. Serious, like, oh, bro. Serious. Tony's on the radio now. He's going to be here tonight. Then he's doing this tomorrow. Then he's doing a remote. Then he's doing the PA here. He's going to be on field. <laughs> I was like, my God, Tony, like, um, uh, we, like, we, we honestly we're didn't know how you did it, man. We, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it was, like you're secretly the energizer bunny. And we were just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I've always, yeah. For whatever reason, man, like, especially if I enjoy doing something that gives me energy, right? Yeah. Like I, I had several 18, 19 hour days, my average work week was, was between 84 and 88 hours. Um, I would always have about three or four weeks where I'd go over a hundred hours. I always had one where I'd be in the 115 ish. I mean, it was just nuts. Right. <laughs> but, and people would go, Oh my gosh, that's just brutal. It's it. No, I love it. Like, I love what I do. I loved it. I loved, yeah. I loved, you know, doing a jazz game late one night, turning around early the next day, getting ready for the show, doing the show, trying to manage other time and then, you know, getting ready for a game B's game. You know, I treated B's games on April 18th, the same way I did the 4th of July. It mattered to me. Um, Mm. and so what was cool for me and being a part of that was the differences of each, you know, whether it was radio, TV, PA, MC, I loved that I had the capability of doing that. I tried it all. I did my best at all of it. And then to find and discover at a young age, and a very young age with some of it that I was capable of doing it at a very good level. You know, it builds confidence, it builds energy, but I had fun. Like doing a bees game was fun. You worked as a team with people doing a jazz game as the MC and the sideline reporter at the same time uh, for radio was fun. I loved the challenge of, okay, here's the different night. It's Popovich and Quinn and they both will call quick timeout. So I got to be on my toes here and do this. And I mean, the scouting reports that I would kind of mentally put together for how a night may go or what I might need to put together. I loved it, man. Talking with the contestant, coaching them up, uh, getting a vibe and a feel, noticing something's out of place. So I got to rearrange my time a little bit on the fly. Nobody noticed anything. I love that stuff, man. That, that, People don't people don't realize like it very rarely once you start to work do you get to be on a team. And I got to do that as a radio host with dang good co-hosts and producers who, you know, worked, you know, tirelessly to try and 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 do whatever they could to give it the best they that they could for the product as a sideline reporter. And I'm going to work with Dave Fox and Lama Harrington again this year. You know, the teamwork and, and the way we do it with the production truck and, and people in marketing and all of that, 
and we've won three straight national awards for the the best high school football broadcast in the country. Like that's awesome. Like I to be able to achieve and attempt that, that gives me energy because I, I really do get the feeling most people when they're finished with playing sports will go work for a job and it might be called a team, but the dynamics don't actually really give it that team feel. I felt like I got that every day. And you give me that for 18 hours a day. I'm as happy as I can be, man. As happy as I can be. And I was, it was, it was really fun, man. And that's what, and kids, that's what we call the hustle. You know, like I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, man. you get out there, you hustle and I'm uh, and you do what you do to get, to get what you are. And um, I, I appreciate you uh, giving us that advice, Tony, because like I'm, uh, yeah, like I think I, I feel like I'm in a rut sometimes. And I'm like, oh boy, but then I have this podcast, and I, and I have another podcast, and there are there there are weeks where I'm like recording four shows. I'm like, all right, well, let's do it, and I'm getting my notes ready. I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. I edit, and, and yeah, I, I feel you. So like, if you do yeah. what you like, you know, it's it's great. So you got to do what you love, man. Yeah. Like, like you really got to do what you love, and if you don't, it's it's really tough. Man, it's really tough. And and I still do what I love. I'm involved in sports. I'm reading and following up. Uh, my wife and I are big into uh, community outreach. That's another huge passion of ours uh, and always has been. And so we're, we're doing our best to always be involved in any way we can there. Um, that kind of stuff, working in a team setting like that, a genuine team setting. Not a, hey, we're a sales team and it's really an individual sport, right? Like, right. Uh, you know, I remember being a waiter in a restaurant. It was like, we're a team. And no, it was an individual sport because individual behaviors based on selfish behaviors, a lot of times would reward people. So oh, absolutely. It, it, there was something so special to that. And so, um, and everything I do, I still love that I can have the feeling and the bond of that team stuff because everything else was just stuff that the, the relationships, the friendships, the stories, the connections. I mean, my friendship with hot rod Hunley, the way we work together, um, I'll carry the, I mean, oh, stuff man. that I'll carry with me forever. You know, we, we could do a whole episode on just talking to you about hot rod because we love, <laughs> as much as we love hearing about him from people who are like you, who have been able to, you know, be up close and personal and, you gotta love it. The man, the myth, the legend. Uh, Jared, I know, I know you miss Tony Parks. I miss Tony Parks. I'm hearing him, but you know what? I can hear him whenever I want now. He's he's in my pocket on my phone. Um, uh, the Tony Parks podcast. Uh, I I know it's on Apple Podcasts. I assume it's on like Spotify and Stitcher. Yep. You know, every, yeah. everywhere you find podcasts, go look for it. Tony Parks podcast. You can um, hit him up on Twitter. Um, uh, I just write it. Tony Parks eight hundred one uh, on the Twitterverse. Um, uh, do you have any uh, other social medias that we know, need to know about? Yeah, Tony? all of them, Instagram, all that. Tony, real quick. Um, uh, how do you, do you, are we going to have a lot of college football this year? Is it, is it going to happen or uh, have they fumbled the bag? I'm concerned, man. I, I'm, too. I'm really, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm an optimistic person. I'm a very positive person, but if, if a if a a weatherman in Miami tells me that you know the winds are moving a certain way with temperatures and I don't know how all the science works out, but it, it you know that there's a hurricane coming, you, you hate to say it, you got to prepare for it and you got to be yeah. ready for the fact that that's going to alter some things. And I know that man, COVID nineteen's been you know such a heartbreak for so many people, myself included. Um, and I'm, I'm we're all doing the very best that we can with it all and trying to do the next best right thing. Right. But with college football, the more and more this thing keeps getting closer, I'm like, okay, how's this going to work? And that going to work? And this going to work? And that going to work? And this going to work? The NBA could put together a bubble. You know, they could put right. together, like, they could make that happen. The Major League Baseball, you're looking at some of the loose ends and, okay, are the Marlins just going to play every day double headers? <laughs> like, for, I mean, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, they're running out of room here. Right. So, what's the plan if they have another outbreak? What's the plan? Like, you just. So I'm not so sure the Pac-12 is talking about, you know, the players with these demands and things like that, which um, is going to be a, a tough negotiation, at least. Um, the uh, the Big Sky, I've heard, has postponed to the spring. Right. I've heard canceled. I've heard both. I uh, The Ivy League doing what they've done. I, yeah. I get the feeling at best it'll be spring that we really get a chance to see this. Yeah. And it makes a lot more sense. And there's the possibility we don't at all. I mean, the, the tweet I saw just like a couple of weeks ago was um, uh, football had the lead. They had a 3-1 lead and they blew it. 
And I'm, uh, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it, it is it is what it is. But um, uh, Tony, hard, I, I, yeah, I got to say. So many people in a sport that's contact, in a sport that proximity, <laughs> I mean, you yeah. It's I, I can't say like Rob Manfred absolutely could have and should have done a better job of Major League Baseball. Uh, Adam Silver couldn't have done a better job than what he did with the NBA. Right. Right. Football's the one where I'm like, I don't really know how to gauge who should have been doing more and different and better. And I mean, college football, there's so many moving parts. These people aren't actually compensated. There's no contract. And I mean, I. Dude, there, there are testing. 122 other bosses that you have to talk with. So, yeah. Uh, yeah well, and, and students aren't on campus. So if they're not, should the players be forced to do so? Uh, should they get that year of eligibility back if they choose to opt out? Can they still be somewhat around team stuff? I think, yeah, I mean, the, the conversations and the arguments are going to go forever. College football is the one where I'm looking at it going, my gut's telling me spring at best. Right. Just the more I look at the way the stars are lining up, and the way the clouds are getting dark, I'm like, dude, I. it feels like it would be miraculous to have a even somewhat regular of a season that we've ever been accustomed to. Yeah. So I'm uh, to bring a circle to talk about the NBA and how well they've done it. Like, not like just like just little things, like even like the video board, which was not, not even the video board audience, which I think is a little creepy, but I, I didn't even think see that coming when they were talking about it. And it feels like that on the fly, they're like, Hey, wait, we have the technology. Let's get people to zoom it. Like, and I bring that up because there's a good chance that I might be able in, I might be in the zoom audience uh, for the home games here. So look for yours truly here. Um, uh, but yeah, just little things like that. Like, like, Oh, this is really cool. Like that, that it sounded funny. It looks a little weird, but now that I see it, I'm like, yep, I like it. I like having the crowd there. I like having even like that little fake noise and the crowd You're noise. Talking about the jazz. Watching. The yeah. jazz crowd. Oh, I yeah. didn't know you you had signed up. Cool. Uh, I somebody. Well, let's just say somebody reached out to me. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. So I'm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. And uh, yeah, so I think yeah, the NBA has done a really good job of uh, giving us a product that we're watching every night because of how good it is. Like the games have been good. The game. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's that much different. Like I'm like, oh, we're watching real NBA games. Like it's about as close as we could ask for it to be. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Just to finish up on that crowd thing, I, you know, I kind of complained about it a little bit, but I think I was mostly complaining because the memes people were making, just making fun of Utah, and I was just like, no, please. People are evil. <laughs> like, wait, wait, wait. Anyways, just, I, I got to find a costume to wear. I don't know what I'm going to wear yet. <laughs> you guys, yeah, that's great. Maybe, maybe uh, I'll so, sorry, you were saying, Tony? <laughs> yeah, I just, I think it, it, the product has been a lot better than I expected. I mean, I thought it'd be good, but I was also thinking, man, you're going to have a variety of players and a variety of different conditioning levels and what kind of shape a different guy is going to be in. Not like Sean Kemp. Cavaliers bad shape. I'm just talking <laughs> not uh, like there's a difference between NBA optimal level shape and then oh, just yeah. decent NBA shape. Right. There's a gap there. I mean, so well, I was curious to you see got, what like, that would look like, but it's been you got 45 Michael Jordan versus 23 Michael Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> I think the I think the product's been outstanding. Which once we, again we talked about it like, of uh, Adam Silver here. The, these quarantine guys like Carmelo. Got skinnier. Uh, Zion, oh. Zion got muscle. Uh, I was like, I was like, oh wow, like these yeah, guys. Jokic, uh, oh, Jokic. Yeah, Jokic is skinny. Yeah, wow, he's super skinny. Jokic, skinny. I'm like, I'm like, well, apparently quarantines worked out very, very well for these guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was a fun off season for them. All right, cool. <laughs> I wish All I right. could go back to my before picture. Right, exactly. Yeah, same here. I'm, I'm just like, how these guys figured out? Oh my goodness, I, I, yeah. I put on a COVID nineteen. You know? <laughs> I put on a COVID twenty. <laughs> Twenty-five maybe. Uh well guys, thanks for cutting Tony, this has been amazing. Thank you yeah. so much for coming on. Um uh, we'd love to have you on again. And please uh, I can't wait to listen to the Tony Parks podcast. I don't know when your new episode the Mike Colley episode is coming out. Yeah, uh, he's coming out tomorrow. Awesome. Oh, so it comes out that the same. Sounds like a good listen. Have a weekend, Tony. Um, uh, enjoy some jazz basketball. Enjoy sports, everybody. Um uh, we love having you around. Uh you know, hey, if you have a second hit like hit subscribe give us a five-star review um uh, it really helps us out we, we just want to be in the algorithm that's you know really what it is you anything five star is great 
if you leave anything that you don't like us, that's fine too. We'll take, we take constructive criticism. It's what we do. Um, uh, Jared, um, uh, anything you want to hit up here? Uh, just mostly that, um, you know, I don't know. I don't think so. All right. I, cool, I just cool, think cool. That, the, that we're just, it's been really solid. I mean, talking to Tony, he's the same guy that you talk to that you hear on the radio. Like that's, so. that, that's really the best, the best thing I can say about, you know, Thank interacting you. with Tony here today. An- okay. analytic- if you want to hear analytical Tony, listen to the podcast. All <laughs> right. Thanks folks. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, thanks to Unwrap Sports. Go follow Unwrap Sports at Unwrap Sports, the podcast network, and we will see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.